Welcome to the Engineers Podcast. My name is Aiden and I'm a principal engineer with over 10 years of experience in mechanical engineering. And my goal is to guide you all the way from when you decide to either do an apprenticeship or go to university to becoming a professional engineer. So welcome to episode 7. On this week's episode, it's all about women in engineering, and I speak to Lucy, who was an ex-colleague of mine from Teledyne. Lucy started off as an apprentice and decided to do a university degree with her apprenticeship, and she's about to complete that in January. Currently, Lucy works as a project manager at uh, Teledyne in the quantum department. Welcome to this week's episode, everyone. We've got uh, Lucy here, who works at the previous company I used to work at, Teledyne. Hello, Lucy. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm not bad, thanks. Yeah, not bad at all. So uh, thank you for taking your time to come on. You're very welcome. It's not too much time out of my busy schedule. Uh, you're not busy at all. I know this. <laughs> You're too young to be busy. I can pretend I'm busy. You can, <laughs> I can yes. pretend I have commitments. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking is not a commitment. I take it very seriously. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on here. It's always been a a bit of a, a hot topic, shall we say, even at Teledyne, um, women in engineering. They make quite a big deal of it there. Yeah. But before we delve into that, you know, tell us a bit about you and who you are, and just tell us who Lucy is. Who is Lucy? Okay, I started my apprenticeship um, four years ago now, I think. I think it was back in 2018 I started. Um, so I'm doing a five-year engineering degree apprenticeship, um, and I came into that after doing my A-levels in physics, maths, and geography. So when you say degree, you mean it's a university degree kind of thing at yes. the end of it right so okay. it's a bachelor of engineering of honors um and that's in i think it's manufacturing engineering um the titles the titles for degrees is a, is a whole other topic but you can have like five degrees that essentially have the same content but they just have slightly different titles it's so bizarre to me that there's not kind of like a more of a standard or standardized um sort of titles list but yes that's in manufacturing engineering um and obviously with as you know, the apprenticeships at, at Teledyne, I also get um, an MVQ level four, um, which I've completed already. Um, and I and to get to your degree, you do a HNC and a HND. So I've done those two and I'm just in my last year finishing up my degree. I did actually take a gap year before I um, came onto my apprenticeship. So that's something a little bit different. Um, and I think people are like a little bit afraid of them like that if you take a gap year, you won't kind of get back into education. Um, but I think it can be really beneficial. So with the whole apprenticeship thing, and I think you kind of touched on this with, with Ben, at secondary school, they tend to push you towards the UCAS application um, and going to university. And I knew that wasn't for me, but I didn't really know what was for me. and at that point in your life, you don't, you're so stressed about doing your A-levels and studying and all the academic side of things. You don't have the time to think about it and to really sort of delve into, you know, who am I as a person and what do I want to do? So I took a gap year um, 
but I gave myself the goal of if I don't get something else sorted by the end of this gap year, I will be going to university whether I like it or not. So that's kind of how I did it. Yeah, because I think I was given the honour of touring you around the first time, wasn't I? Yes, I think you are. Yes, yes I was. Were you complaining about your pink shoes? Oh, I was furious about those. Yes, yes, I know. Um, I was, I was safety t- shoes. Yep, yep. Yeah, the pink, bright pink ones that they give all the uh, uh, lady operators and lady engineers. Yeah, I don't think they do anymore. I think they get more of a choice now because I think I kicked up such a fuss. <laughs> Yes, I remember that. I remember going back to, to my boss at the time and he's like, how was it? I was like, she just complained about her shoes for most of it. So yeah, that was my first impression of you, the uh, shoe complainer. <laughs> and then can't remember if you joined our team first as an apprentice. I did. You did, yeah. Yeah, your team was my first placement. Yeah. Um, now, I'm, I am a very sarky person, but so are you. Yes. And I think there was only one person who could handle you. And you were given to to Chris. I think they worried about me going into your department um, because there were such big characters in there. And it was quite a male-dominated office as well, actually. And I I do think they had some, like, reservations about how I was going to cope with such big characters and such a sort of strong-willed office. But we welcomed you with opened arms. (laughs) The amount of pranks that got played on me in that office, I've never experienced <laughs> anywhere else. <laughs> but it was honestly one of the best placements I did. I think, like you say, because sarcastic personalities get on with sarcastic personalities. So, yeah, I, I think it was one of the best teams, really. I, I really gelled in there, actually. You got on very well with all of us, especially Chris. He was um, He's a character in himself. have to try and get him on one yeah, day if I can. I think can. I held my ground as well. Oh yeah, I think that was that was quite important. Was was like holding ground. If I hadn't been able to do that, I think I could have struggled. You know, despite our fun, it is it was definitely a no uh, bullshit department. I think that can be said for a lot of engineering environments, though. They can be quite high pressure because everyone is so engineering minded. People have their own way of doing things and their own idea of what is the best solution. Yeah, and I think nine times out of ten, everyone's solutions would probably work. But then it's convincing people to pick one. So what made you want to choose engineering? Oh, so that's a big topic um, to delve into. So, I mean, it starts way back for me in choosing engineering. Um, My dad's an engineer and his dad worked at uh, BT as an engineer. And so it was sort of in the blood, really. And I think... For me, it was always there growing up. So my dad was a CNC machinist, um, sort of type engineer, um, but quite highly skilled with it. And then on the side of our um, sort of family uh, engineering experience, we also um, have a hobby of drag racing, which my dad's done since his sort of since his 20s so I grew up in that environment and I grew up in a in an engineering environment essentially um particularly mechanical so it was kind of always there for me and it was always something I really enjoyed and then I had that kind of battle which I think everyone kind of has this as a something they really love is is this a hobby or is it a job um 
So I had to kind of have that debate with myself and that's sort of something I debated in my gap year. Um, And for me, I think it was, I like to question why and I like to understand how things work. And I like the reward sort of like feeling that you get from problem solving and that kind of thing. I just kind of fell into it really. Raised as an engineer and couldn't escape, I think is the the right answer to that. Is that what you always wanted to do when you were at school? No. So I really loved, uh, so I love cooking and I love baking, um, as I think you and the department know. Yes, um, yes, you poisoned <laughs> us numerous times. Bribery. Um, <laughs> it was good so bribery. I had, like, I had like a debate in my head about that, you know, because that was also a hobby and it's like, is this a hobby, is this a career? So that was something I considered. And then... I love geography. I really love geography. Um, so I did an A-level in geography. And for me, like the geophysics side of things really interests me. And volcanoes, I love a good volcano, um, glaciers, all those kind of like really, you know, big physical geography type um, areas. I, I really enjoyed that. So I was actually going to university to study geography, not engineering. When you're at school, like topics and and subjects are like really defined. But actually, I think when you get into sort of the real world, you realise how much like overlap there is, like between you know things like geophysics and physics and engineering and construction and um, all of those kind of areas. Like they they actually overlap quite a lot. And I mean, you know, the department that's sort of in now is sort of like the quantum area, and some of our products are for sort of land-based applications and what I would consider like sort of geophysics areas really. Um, and yeah, they do actually overlap quite a lot. So I think you can do a degree in one thing, but actually it links quite well to say five or six different industries. Why do you think that there aren't uh, a lot of female engineers compared to the male? Why do you think it's mostly dominated by men? Because I think the industry's you know, the engineering industry has been around for, you know, however many hundreds of years. But realistically, it's only recent history for that cultural shift for um, women to take on more, you know, involved in an active career paths and progressions. So I think it's a slow process. Um, and I think although now we have you know, this real act of encouragement for equality um, between sort of gender roles in, in the industry. 50 years ago, that wasn't there. It takes time to, to infiltrate the industry, if you like, you know, and to have that progression because there's people at Teledon, as you know, who've worked there for 50 years. The career progression can take a really long time. And, and I do think that there is still some stereotypes around. And I think I didn't necessarily realise there weren't that many women in engineering. Because I'd grown up in that engineering environment, it wasn't foreign to me. So to then find out that actually going into engineering as a woman is is not, you know, as common was, was actually quite a surprise. <laughs> Yeah, because as well as at university, in our course, we had 50 people and I think there were only two girls in it. So even at university, it wasn't, uh, there were a lot more girls in civil engineering. I don't know why. They've always been more in civil. That's interesting. Not a lot more, but they've they've always been 
more in civil, but not that many in mechanical or aerospace or automotive, really. Yeah, it's quite bizarre to me because, yeah, I just sort of grew up in an environment where my gender wasn't really a question in regards to my knowledge or experience. So the aspect of STEM subjects then, because I know um, when I uh, did a uh, like a placement at a school, the, the girls were heavily encouraged to try and take STEM subjects. Why do you think they don't take STEM subjects? I think it's hard because I never really felt like there was a barrier at school to me picking STEM subjects. Like, I don't think it was... I felt that I shouldn't. So it does make me wonder if that pressure to not pick STEM subjects for girls kind of comes from outside and more of a sort of like at home type of influence and that kind of cultural thing. Yeah, because where where I came from, because in Kenya, most of the girls were encouraged to be doctors. So that's... I guess the science bit of it. So they're quite encouraged to take a science subject. And yeah. I, I don't know what that's like here, but yeah, there were tons of them doing all of them there. So it was quite new to me when I came here, not seeing that side of things. Yeah. And I do think as well, more than people care to admit, we take influence on our careers from our parents so I grew up in a household where, though my dad was an engineer, my mum also had a really successful career. And I think seeing that and growing up around that sort of made me think that there were no barriers to what I wanted to do and that there wasn't really a, a stereotype to what, what job I should do and, and who I should become. And I don't ever feel like the school were surprised by my choices or said you know oh that's unusual for a girl it it never really felt like that and it it did surprise me that not as many girls picked the subjects that would be like traditionally stem yeah so how did you decide that uh you so so you wanted to do geography and what made you change your mind to do engineering a lot of it kind of came about by chance really because i so i didn't enjoy my so well we'll backtrack a little bit At the end of my GCSEs at 16, you kind of have a decision point there as well. You know, are you going to go into an apprenticeship at that point? Are you going to go to college? Are you going to stay to sixth form and do A-levels? And my immediate sort of reactions were that I didn't want to do A-levels. I wanted to go and do an apprenticeship. And I actually applied for the technician scheme at Teldyne and didn't get it. So I didn't get a job. I wasn't very keen on Teledyne from that point. And I couldn't really find anything else that I wanted to do. So I went back to do my A-levels. And that's sort of when I fell in love with the geography side of things and then ended up having that gap year. And during that gap year, I mean, I applied to so many of the big contenders, you know, the really big industry leaders in engineering apprenticeships, so places like Ford, um, MBDA, those kind of places. And none of them wanted me because my A-level grades weren't good enough. And I found that really frustrating that because I didn't have straight A's, they weren't interested. Yeah, yeah, I find it, I find that very amusing because Teledyne wouldn't have taken me on an apprenticeship um, with the 
grades they wanted and Rolls Royce turned me down back in the day. <laughs> but what was that the 1900s? Yeah, yeah. I got I'm getting gray in my beard though. You know, you laugh. I'm getting gray. It's it's crazy. Wow. I'm going to have to start buying this uh what's it what's that stuff that you have to put in to stop thing that like, like cover up cover up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Can't wait for that. Um <laughs> It's not even a nice grey. It's just like grey patches. It's horrible. Don't. I started my first grey hairs when I was 16, and that sums up the engineering industry for you. Stress. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and, yeah, funny enough, one of the um, – obviously, I know you haven't listened to it, even though I sent it to you. Uh, <laughs> one of the episodes did cover this, actually, talk about the, the grades in engineering that you would need. And it's, to me, it's always been experience over grades, Unfortunately, a lot of places, especially like MBDA, which is a huge defense company, I don't know why they they want such high grades. It just doesn't, I don't know what they look for. I don't know what they perceive high grades to be, these kind of companies, what they're getting. I find it amusing, like you say, because I think as well, it's, it's, it's the attitude and aptitude that you have. I think to be a good engineer, you have to think a certain way or have the ability to think a certain way. And that's not something that necessarily comes out in in academia. Like, I wouldn't have been taken on by all those other companies. And now, I guarantee you, a lot of them would be interested in offering me a job because the skill sets that I've gained had nothing to do with what grades I got at A-levels. And yes, having an academic background and yes, being able to do, you know, the math side of it and all of that, it does help. It does help. But I don't think it's the be all and end all that a lot of application processes make it out to be. What grades did you get? I got a B and two Ds. I got two Ds and an E. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think it sums it up really because, you know, and I, I have to be really grateful to, to Teledyne for taking the risk on me. But I was able to go into that interview and show a side of myself and, and skill sets and an attitude towards it that was desirable my year group all got much better grades than I did and we're still in the same jobs you know and I think the grades can help and you can go far with the grades but it's not it's not the end of your career if if the you know that side of things isn't your forte I I know we're not going to name them but there were two individuals in the RF department that I remember they are highly intelligent people right there is no doubt about it but they made our job so difficult because they had no practical experience whatsoever. But because they were high top signing people, it was difficult. Yeah, I think having management with um, the good practical knowledge is really useful. And I think that's something that apprenticeships really give to a business because I started off my apprenticeship with 16 weeks at college doing a level two performing engineering operations. So that's your lathes, mills, um, bench fitting, electrical, um, bit of TIG welding. They give me a basic understanding of the the complexity of machining, for starters, um, and an understanding of things that you wouldn't even think about. So when I get a lead time free for, for something I'm ordering now, and I look at the drawing and I see the complexity of it and I see the lead time, I can correlate in my head, okay, that seems reasonable because I understand the processes that go into making that product. And I think having having management with that is so important. 
when we had an, an offline chat why I said, because you said you, you're doing project management at the moment. This is why I said you should, you should do project engineering because you have that control of sides as well. And uh, The thing with project management, I think, is there's a misconception of like what the job is. And I think actually project management within an engineering environment, in my eyes, you have to have good engineering background because how can you be confident in your forecasting timescales and scheduling if you don't truly understand what goes into the work? Where were you when I needed a good project manager then? I'd not got into it at that point. It was only in my fourth or fifth placement that I sort of had exposure to project management, really. Um, And in particular, involvement on R&D projects. And I just sort of fell in love with it. I mean, I still love R&D. It's definitely the side of the industry that that I prefer to sort of be in because it's just so new and it's a challenge. And that's kind of where I got exposure to it. And I think people get scared off by it because it's new and scary. So I think a lot of project managers don't like it because they don't have the engineering foundation. They can't just follow a template and they can't just supply, you know, sort of all the project management background knowledge. You really have to be involved with the engineering teams to make a good job of it. And I think that's just why I love it so much. I do R&D now and I love it. I love everything about it and also do some project engineering, but not a lot. I like to keep that to my PM and she knows a lot about the products and it makes such a big difference when they actually know how everything works and yeah they don't just hand out work when they do understand it then things make sense to both parties and it makes it so much easier But yeah, back back on topic a little bit. I I don't I don't really know why there is this cultural thing in schools about girls not picking STEM subjects. And I mean, I've said it to you offline as well. Like, I think going into schools and singling out the girls and and encouraging them to get into STEM topics. I mean, it almost wouldn't work for me. If if I was at school and they came in and they were trying to encourage girls specifically to take STEM subjects, that would then almost make me think there's a problem. It would make me think, am I going to have, am I going to face more difficulties by choosing this industry? What's the reason why the, the girls aren't choosing it? Do you know what I mean? I just, I think if you go in and you encourage it equally, it gives the impression that there isn't a problem, which there shouldn't be. I think everyone has those opportunities, like you can be a mathematician, a physicist, a lawyer, whatever. But there's always been this taboo thing about engineering. And I think there's also a reason behind it, because a lot of people, and and I'm going to get really shot down for this, but a lot of people don't realize that a lot of engineers aren't engineers. And... This is going to sound disrespectful, but you know, like when the like Sky comes to install your Sky Dish. Yeah. How is that an engineer? Yeah. They yeah, no, I know they, what you mean. They stick a satellite to the wall and run a cable through the house. It's such a broad industry label. Yeah, and I think 
in the UK especially, and not too sure about America, but in the UK it's not protected. In Europe it's a protected title. You have to have something to back it up. While as here it's not really backed up. So maybe people see it more of that, which, you know, like up a ladder, installing a dish or something like that. Yeah, I definitely think there's a lot there's a lot to be said for that. People don't understand the possibilities that are open to them within engineering. And that, like you say, it's, it's so broad. I mean, the industry is just massive. There's, there's so many different areas you can, you can get into in different products and, and different markets that an engineer really can mean anything. It really can. Yeah, yeah, it can. Um, and to be fair, so can a technician, but a technician is yeah. a branch of engineering as well. Yeah, so I can understand why it may be confusing in schools to, for what it means. Um, but yeah, I do think active encouragement in schools is absolutely key, but I think it's how we do it. That's the important thing because I kind of had this, this thing in my head and it, and it bothered me for a little while when I started my apprenticeship was that there was such this active encouragement to get women in engineering. It made me question, have I just been hired because I'm a woman, you know, like, because this is, and I know a fellow apprentice, female apprentice in my year group, we had, we had, we had conversations about it because we both had this sort of moment where we were like, you know, is there actually such a push to increase this, this equality that they would take on a female just to get the numbers up kind of thing? And I know that they don't, and I know they can't, you know, equal opportunities and, and all this kind of thing, but it does make you wonder or question whether you are considered the same. Yeah. Okay. That that is that is a very never thought. Yeah, about it's, it's that, something actually. that I don't think. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was just my fragile ego that ego that um, that made me think of it. But yeah, I mean, I mean, they've you know, don't get me wrong. They've hired some useless apprentices, both on the male <laughs> and the female side. Um, but then they've <laughs> they've also yeah. hired some very yeah, good it. ones. I remember there's this one I used to work with. There are actually two. I won't name them, but there are two there. One who works on magnetron test gears and one who works in applications engineering for RF power. And they are both very good engineers and highly intelligent. I I never even knew what half the stuff uh, she was saying to me um, in it. All I ever said to her was, can I use the bunker, (laughs) please, to do some testing? with with my with a test or with an rf tube you know they can be a higher level than you and it's nothing to do with whether they're male or female yeah. they're just good at that job yeah and that's why i get frustrated with it being such a hot topic because honestly in my day-to-day job on my day-to-day life it's never a thought. There's never someone in my team who thinks I'm less capable of doing something because I'm a female. Yes, because when you were on our team, we just treated you like one of our team. I got the same amount of banter. I got the same amount of pranks. You know, you didn't go <laughs> yeah. easy on me just because yep. you thought, oh, she might be a delicate little flower. You know, there was there was none of that. And, and I really appreciated that, actually, to go into an environment and not feel like there was any kind of difference and I don't know if that's quite unique to to that workplace I would say not I think there's a lot of scaremongering obviously going on I think that's just the media being the media and scaremongering things 
And I think in, in a way that that is wrong because you should treat, I treat all my colleagues exactly the same at work. I have had, you know, to tell a lie, I have had interactions where I've felt that maybe there was some, some thoughts. I don't think it ever been like really open. I mean, maybe there's stuff that happens that I'm sort of not privy to or conversations that I don't, you know, you, you never know what's said behind your back, do you? Um, At least in our department, there was nothing that involved you just because you were no. a girl that was ever said uh, behind your back on those on those things. Um, I think most of the time we were just curious <laughs> about what color shoes you were going to wear. <laughs> <laughs> or... Um, or we talked about the time where we rescued you from the uh, from oh, the beer yes. festival um, <laughs> because because you couldn't walk after drinking so much when you were a lot younger. So you know that was the first experience of a beer festival I'd ever had. It was a good one too, and I think you know you were you were very part of the team, and I know there were some other teams who weren't as good to yeah. work for. I do I do remember that, um, but then. You found your place at a different team, which yeah. was the quantum team. You did qu- quite good in the quantum department. I really kind of blossomed there. And I think that's one of the key things, I think, especially with an apprenticeship, is like finding a team that you gel with really well and that you like, you feel supported in. Because I had, I had placements where, you know, they'd almost want to trip you up and try and test you. Because that was their way of, of, you know, growth and improvement. And for some people that works, you know, learning from, from those mistakes and everything like that. But for me, the, the team I'm in is just absolutely fantastic. And I mean, we've got two um, female quantum physicists and, and that's just brilliant to see, you know, the, the actual sort of gender uh, makeup of our department is fairly even, which is quite uncommon. But yeah, I do think we work, work at a very good place for that kind of equality I don't think it's a it's a mass problem I think there's definitely a problem with the infrastructure that's in place though I will say because I know particularly for um my workplace you know when that place was built and when it became a manufacturing environment there probably really weren't that many female engineers or or any and therefore sounds very simple but there aren't many female toilets (laughs) or they're not in the same place so this is something I learned very quickly they've kind of been an afterthought (laughs) so they're in completely different locations to to the male bathrooms yeah I don't know what to say to that yeah it's just one of those things where I never I it's not something you think about on the day-to-day but when you have an apprentice in a department and it's a male-dominated department and I'm sat there going, where's the bathroom? And they go, do you know what? I don't actually know where the female one is because they're not in the same place. <laughs> and I don't know if that's common across a lot of industries. I imagine it probably is. I mean, I've, I've done um, work experience at a, uh, a machining place and the female toilet was immaculate because it was never used. <laughs> um, and I do think there's sort of an infrastructure difference. I think it's it's changing it's definitely changing and I've seen a big shift over I'd say the last 18 months particularly in support for sort of black women's health and things like that um so particularly at Teledyne they've just brought in a um 
a new sort of initiative where all of the bathrooms, female bathrooms, have um, free sanitary products, which is absolutely brilliant because particularly in the engineering industry, it's not something that we talk about in the office. It's not something that you talk about at work, but it is something that that really affects us. And actually in a male-dominated office, you can feel a bit awkward about it and you can feel a bit sort of, you know, you're hiding your tampon in your pocket, whatever, when you walk into the bathroom. And the fact they've come out as a, as a business to to kind of reduce that stigma has actually been really nice that that support's there um, and that it is something that's inclusive. And I think things like that, they're not actively encouraging women to get into engineering, but they're sort of subconsciously doing it because they're things that will matter and they're things that are important. Um, so to come into a work environment where you feel that you are supported as a female, I think is 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 really nice. Yeah, that, that is good. That is a good point, actually. That is, um, yeah, because that's something that, you know, I know you guys don't feel comfortable, but funnily enough, neither do we. We as guys, we don't know what to say about it. So um, exactly. the fact that they are doing that, that's quite that's quite a good thing. And... Yeah, I think more companies should definitely do that. At least that's uh, you know that's quite a nice thing to have. Yeah, it does encourage encourage women, I think, to get into that kind of workplace because you feel like you know those things are kind of covered. It's not something you even have to worry about, um, and you can just get on with your job and and feel like you're part of the team exactly the same as anyone else, which is the environment that you want. You know, moving on from that, just tell us a bit about what you did in the quantum department, because obviously that a lot of people don't know what quantum is and or what you do. We just say quantum. Yeah. Yeah. So when I joined the quantum team, I, I joined on my engineering placements. So I was still doing engineering support work. Um, and at the time, the projects I was sort of involved with were um, quantum gradiometers. So using cold atoms um, to measure gravity essentially, really accurately, which sounds bizarre because I know you're going to get 9.81. The thing is, the gravity changes depending on the masses around you. Um, Very, very minutely, but that change can be an indicator of what is surrounding you. So that technology can be applied to looking for sinkholes under the ground, so non-invasive sort of surveying, um, pipelines, things like that, a really, really interesting technology. Um, and we had some research and development projects involved with that. So that was really fascinating. And it was only once I started working cl- quite closely with the project manager uh, in that team, who is now my manager mentor, um, that I even questioned that it was a career path for me. Um, because I saw how involved she was with the engineering team and how technical she was. She has a PhD, she's a doctor, you know, incredibly intelligent person. And it just made me realise, yeah, do you know what? It's not just an admin job. You are a fundamental member of that team um, and your technical insight is valuable. Yeah, and that's kind of how I fell into it and then sort of stayed there ever since in that team. Um, and now I'm sort of picking up a bit more of a variety of projects. And like I said earlier, just completed my um, project management qualification. I'm still waiting on the results of that, so I won't speak too soon. 
it's a 10 week wait for the exam results 10 weeks um, wow i know so i have sat the exam but um i'm hopeful that i've passed but and you know what is the best thing about your new about the job you do i think the best thing about my job is the people that i work with without a shadow of a doubt having a team that is supportive and encouraging is absolutely fantastic i think it's difficult to succeed in a negative environment um regardless of how intelligent you are regardless of how good you feel you are at the job if you don't have those people on a day-to-day life who are supporting you in that team, it's really difficult. We have such a good environment where if something goes wrong, it doesn't matter whose fault it was. There's never a fault. It's We fix it together as a team. Um, yeah, that's the that's absolute best. That's important because when you work together, you, you can get a lot done. Unlike yeah. playing the blame game. Yeah, I think some people in engineering are real lone workers. And I think that can become a problem sometimes because I think the teamwork side of things is so, so important to be able to sort of support each other and, and bounce ideas off of each other and and come up with solutions rather than be like, oh, well, that was my idea and we've chosen to go with my idea, so I'm right and you're wrong, you know? Yes, I think in um, when when I was in RF Power, we were we were all in charge of our own bit, but we always came together as a team to find solutions to problems that we couldn't find them as individuals. So it is important that you can work both, you know. But being a lone lone engineer, as yes, you say, is very difficult and not probably the best thing to do. Um, you need a team of people, not not just a team of engineers, it can be a team of anyone. And being able to communicate well with those different people as well. Yeah, yeah, that is important. And um, what would you say is the most challenging thing about your job? For me, personally, it's probably like the customer interaction side of things. So um, I think you're probably aware, but I have sort of an anxiety disorder. So I I really struggle with my anxiety and and panic attacks and that kind of thing. Um, And I go through sort of like good periods and bad periods. And that can be really difficult when you are meeting people for the first time who kind of aren't aware of that. Um, And kind of having those meetings and giving presentations can be really, like, really daunting for me. Um, I definitely struggle with that. But I think what I've learned, especially in engineering, is people really don't care. Like they will be accommodating to you for whatever your needs are. Um, And I've been on training where, you know, for presentations, it's you must stand up and you must present yourself this way. And I can go into a room and say, hi, everyone, nice to meet you. Just to let you know, um, I do struggle with anxiety and I do struggle with these presentations. If you don't mind, I'm going to sit down to do my presentation because it makes me feel more comfortable. Nine times out of ten, they don't care. If I'm comfortable and I give them the information they need, that's the most important part of it. And and would you say customers are not as um, forgiving, shall we say? 
I think some can, some can't be. I think it depends on the situation. And I think it's also like feeling like it's the right time to, to kind of say that. Um, I mean, COVID has really actually done me wonders because I've been able to work from home. So I've been able to do my presentations virtually. And that's been that's been life-saving for me. I honestly don't think I could have made the growth in my career that I have made without that. And would you say that you love your job then? I think at the minute I've got my degree finishing up and everything like that and it's hard. It is hard. Um, I think on some days the lack of sleep is getting to me. Don't party so hard. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, do you love your job? Oh, yeah. Yeah, You just said that easily. Oh yeah, I do. I mean, once you've once you've gotten to a place where you know, don't get me wrong, I loved te- I loved working in the team at Teledyne, but it's it's important to work with a good team of people, always. And you know, where I am now, I've said it before, where Teledyne are a multi-billion-dollar company, won't even buy a five-thousand-dollar high-end three D printer. Well, as where I am now, will. You know, they actually, it, it's, you know, it, it's great to be actually uh, working with new technology and good people. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. And I think actually changing jobs is not something to be afraid of. I think it's something that now people do more and more of. Um and I think it's something I've questioned. I mean, I've been in the same the same company for nearly five years now. And that feels like a long time. And well, three years and nine months was my longest and that was at Teledyne. Yeah. You do kind of think, you know, what other opportunities are out there for me? And I don't think that's something that that people should be secret about or um not talk about. Because I think there is so many opportunities out there. I don't think there's any shame in wanting to experience something different. Yeah, I think so. Where you came in as as, as an apprentice, I think where you worked in different departments, that was probably really great for you because you got to work in the quantum department, which is something that was pretty much brand new in that company. Uh, I think the problem is a lot of us get stuck in in our departments. And if they're not going to invest something, then you're not progressing yourself or your career any forward. You're just doing the same thing every single day. And for an engineer, that is not what you want to be doing. You know, you don't want to be doing the same job every day. You want a bit of versatility in there. Yeah, I think that's the thing is engineers. Most engineers want new challenges. They want new problems. Um, We aren't the mundane workers. Businesses need to realize that. And yeah. be open to people wanting, you know, more change and more freedom and more um, more opportunities now. What advice would you give women trying to break into engineering? Oh, big question. Be yourself. I think don't try and be what you think an engineer should be. Um because you have skills and aptitudes as yourself that are valuable. 
I think there's a potentially a, a thought that you should, you know, be good with power tools and such. And I'm really not. <laughs> Someone in, in the team when I was there with you let me use a Dremel. And I think after the screaming and uh, my lack of ability to do that, I don't think they let me near a power tool again. <laughs> What things do you wish you knew before you started your career? I think that's just because someone thinks differently doesn't mean you should think that you need to be like them because I think I have quite a unique personality, I guess you could say, or way of looking at things. And, I mean, I once got told in a training session that sarcasm is a trait of aggressive people. Or to which passive aggressive, <laughs> to, yeah, passive to which aggressive. I strongly disagree. Oh. <laughs> um, and I think there's been times where I've questioned, you know, sh- should I change that trait about myself to to fit in more with with things or to you know be quiet? So yeah, I think just reminding myself to stay true to who I am and not fear speaking up when I disagree with something. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, never stop being sarcastic. It's just who we are. As, uh, as, as engineers, we have something we just, it keeps us sane. If you don't laugh, you cry, you know? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Obviously, you're going to finish your degree in January. Yeah. I think the right question to ask is because I have gone down the technical route. And there are two routes you can go down as an engineer you can go down the technical or the management route. What route do you see yourself going down? You know, it's a really interesting time for you to be asking me that question because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently um, and had a lot of conversations about because, you know, I am I am completing an engineering degree, but likewise, my job is, is project management um, and, and I'm, I'm kind of following that path a little bit more. But I genuinely think I can stick down the middle. <laughs> um, <laughs> for this is pure naivety <laughs> or wishful thinking. Because I think, particularly within the R&D side of things, you need that technical knowledge. Um, and you are applying it to an extent. You may not be pure technical, but I think it's still there. Um you know, you get sort of engineering project managers, really. It's, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that I can stick down the middle to some degree. Obviously, if I wanted to go more manager route, I'd still have the technical knowledge there. But I wouldn't be as no. involved. So what you're saying is you're more of a, let's say, 70-30, probably. Yeah, yeah, I would, be, I would say so. So you want to go down the management route. <laughs> No, I don't want to commit to that sentence. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what you're doing, though. You are going down that route. Because but, you already said, no, you don't want to be a project engineer. So you've already removed that out of it. You want to be a PM. You are really pushing me to have a like early life crisis. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you, well, you, haven't, you haven't had it already. Yeah, it's, it's, it's on the brink. I'll, go, I'll tell you that. 
No, I think it's a really hard, a hard one. And I, I love my job. Um, and I think if I can stay in the R&D side of things, that will really suit me because, like I said, you you can apply uh, technical a little bit better. Um, you do need to be a little bit more hands-on as a PM. Um, so if I can stay down that side of things, I think um, I think that will suit me. You never know, I might do something drastic. Change career completely and uh, go do drag racing. Become a dog sitter. <laughs> you, you, they get paid quite good, so you know <laughs> they probably get paid more than we do. No, don't get me wrong. If if drag racing offered a career, then uh, then it would be rather interesting. Well, thank you very much, Lucy, for coming on. I really appreciate it, and I do wish you all the best um, with your degree and in your future. I'm sure we will talk again soon. Yes, you're very welcome, and I'm sure we will. All right, then. You take care. And you. So if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch, you know, be it by email or LinkedIn. I'll leave a description to everything in the in the links below. And, you know, if you did like the show, please do subscribe to it and just give me your feedback. I would really appreciate that. And until the next episode, I hope you have a great day. And during this journey to you becoming the best engineer you can be.